1: Hey, movie addicts. Welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello. Well, Monica, we're so glad to have you here on Film Geek Radio. You're now going to be my regular co-host on Cinema Fix. I guess we can call this Cinema Fix (laughs) 2.0.
0: Yes. Redux. Electric Boogaloo.
1: The new strain of our addictive drug cinema fix. (laughs) Well, this is episode number 20 of the show. And if if you're a new listener, basically this is a show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies. And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the film and you would appreciate a more in-depth conversation about what works and what doesn't work, definitely listen to that. Or just go ahead and listen in if you don't mind spoilers. What the hell? Make up your own mind. Uh, This week the film we're going to be discussing is End of Watch. But before we talk about that, Monica, I know there are some other somewhat noteworthy films that received a wide release this weekend, and I know you and I have both seen at least one of them, so let's very quickly give some brief thoughts on what else is out this weekend. Firstly, there's this new Clint Eastwood movie, Trouble with the Curve, yes. which is a baseball film. What did you think of that movie?
0: I actually kind of liked it, um, if I if I may. It's a... Uh, to- Nice little story. Clint Eastwood is a grump as he has been for the last couple of movies. He plays a baseball scout looking out for talent. And it's kind of like the anti-moneyball where he, you know, he chooses talent on the heart and uh, of the player. So it's, you know, screw the numbers, screw the the statistics out there. And um, he gets a little challenge from Matthew Lillard um, who plays kind of like you know, the stats guy. And he's always out looking at the numbers. And um, Amy Adams plays Clint Eastwood's daughter, who comes back into his life in a sort of unexpected way when um, Clint Eastwood starts having a little bit of uh, sightseeing problems. And of course, it's awful for someone who's supposed to be scouting for a living. So it's a nice little bit of drama, a little bit of comedy, a um, little bit of love interest there. Justin Timberlake is a, a young scout, a uh, former baseball player, and he's scouting for the Sox, so hey, Boston. So I, I thought it was a pretty decent film, you know, something you could take the uh, parents out to, and it's, you know, pretty decent fun, and of course, it's good to see Clint Eastwood in a good role and not in the RNC convention.
1: <laughs> well, I have to disagree with you and say that I think his performance at the RNC was uh, much more intriguing than his performance in this film <laughs> I, I do think that it's something you can take your parents to but I do not think it is a good movie. Uh. It's full of cliches it's very formulaic. Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake do have some good chemistry on screen and and, mm-hmm. and they're one of the few bright spots I think in the film but overall I was not I, di- I did not enjoy this movie very much um also you know, Clint Eastwood supposedly retired from acting after Gran Torino.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: that movie was flawed, but I think that he he gave a really strong performance in that. and I think it was a decent note to go out on. Yeah. This, not so much. I mean, all I can say is that if you liked the closing credits of Gran Torino, when <laughs> he uh, sang a song, you're going to love Trouble with the Cur because he does uh, he does do some singing in this one. And uh, it's, it's, it's not pretty.
0: It's not pretty, but it's hilarious. Come on.
1: It's unintentionally hilarious. That's the problem.
0: It's like when your grandpa sings and you're like, oh, please stop. But, you know, you can't tell him that.
1: <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. It's supposed to be this really touching, emotional moment. And there are several scenes in the film that are supposed to be kind of the, the really dramatic and, and really emotional. Mm-hmm. But they're just executed so poorly. <laughs> it, it, it just it, it just does not work, in my opinion.
0: I mean, I thought the schlocky was, you know, sweet enough to not be, I guess, too distracting or so. Um, it is it is quite formulaic, but, you know, for what its purpose does, it could have been so much worse.
1: Okay. Well, people can read my full review over at FilmGeekRadio.com and, uh, I guess, make up your own mind whether or not you want to see it. You yep. know, if, if you were entertained by Clint Eastwood talking to an empty chair, maybe you'll be entertained by him singing to an empty graveyard.
0: Well, he does yell at a chair at the beginning of the movie, to be fair. Oh, that's
1: true. He does. He does. He does. Uh, did you see Dread 3D by any chance?
0: I did not see Dread. Unfortunately, I missed out. But apparently, it, I hear good things. Tell tell me about it.
1: It's it's getting very positive reviews. I saw it uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival. And again, you can read my full review over at FilmGeekRadio.com. But in a nutshell... It's not a terrible movie. It's certainly better than the Sylvester Stallone version from 1995, but that's not hard to do, and (laughs) I I honestly can't understand why this film is being as praised as heavily as it is. It's pretty bland. There's not a lot of depth to the character. If you don't know the plot of Judge Dredd, uh, it's in this future dystopian society where there's this uh, group of law enforcement officials called judges that basically have the power to go around and execute people and, and sentence them on the spot for their crimes. And so it's about this one guy, Judge Dredd, and his rookie partner who happens to have psychic abilities. They end up trapped in this uh, high-rise apartment building and they have to fight their way out. Um, it's kind of like The Raid, if you saw The Raid last year, except with guns instead of really cool fight choreography. Yeah. It it really isn't my cup of tea. I will say that technically and visually, there's some really interesting stuff done with slow motion. And there's some really, really pretty shots to be found. And some of the action is fun. But overall, I'd say it, it's it's an average movie. And certainly nothing special. Okay. Who knows? Maybe if you're listening, you'll like it. So if you go see it, let us know what you think.
0: I mean, I guess the plus side is that it's not Sylvester Stallone.
1: <laughs> True, but the Sylvester Stallone version was kind of fun in its own campy, goofy, cheesy, bad way. I okay. Mean, when he says, I am the law, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. When Carl Urbans goes, I am the law, he, he, it's just played for dead seriousness and uh, just not quite as enjoyable.
0: Didn't do it for you.
1: No, it did not. But uh, let, let's move on to End of Watch. Monica, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of information about the film? Who directed it? Who's in it? What's it about?
0: Who directed it? I do not remember who directed it. Um, But I can tell you who's in it. It's uh Jake Gyllenhaal, who I will never be able to spell his name right in a review to sell, uh, save my life. And uh, Michael Pena are the two co-stars. And they're like buddy cops. And you know, the worst part of LA and it's basically just straight cop drama from then on. But the whole twist or the whole way that they're like making end of watch different than any other cop drama you've seen before is because now they're going to be using, you know, lapel cameras or just a handheld camera that Jake is using uh, to film for like a personal project because he has an interest in film or whatnot. So it's supposed to be all, like, first-person footage.
1: Yeah, the film does incorporate this sort of found footage aesthetic, and it follows them over a period of a few months as they make a few busts and slowly get on the wrong side of a drug cartel. Uh, Here's a clip.
0: Dude, are you going to hook up with a Mexican girl? They're trying to hook me up with them, dude. Dude, it'd be great if you did. I get it, man. Sweet brown sugar. You should marry one of my cousins. If they are anything like you, I wouldn't be able to stand an hour with them. <laughs> Waking up in the morning, they be like, hey, can I tell you a story? Here's a
1: story about this and a story about that and a story about this and a story about that. And, but dude, all what you, you got to do is this. All you
0: got to do is this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You
1: want to come to my cousin's quinceanera, my daughter's quinceanera, my brother's quinceanera. Yeah. My sister's quinceanera.
0: There's always be- something happening, though, bro. It's better than like, hey, do you know the new kind of flavored coffee I have? Do you like this kind of coffee? The The baristas are excellent. You like coffee, dude. Don't give me that. I like good Starbucks coffee. Whatever. I'll let you lay into me. Lay into me, dude.
1: All right. End of watch. This film was directed by David Ayer, who also directed Harsh Times and Street Kings. So clearly this guy loves his cop movies. I, I think he also wrote Training Day. He's a big cop movie guy. Monica, you mentioned that this is kind of the, the 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 kind of the main unique draw of this film is that it's incorporating this sort of found footage aesthetic and and using kind of that handy cam documentary vibe that we've gotten typically from horror films most of the time, but here we actually see it in a cop movie. What did you think overall of the film and how that was used?
0: Oh, I thought it was awful. Um First off, um, using low-grade quality filming devices and then blowing it up into the big screen already looks like awful mess, 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 mess. And then what End of Watch doesn't do, it it says it's gonna do this at the very beginning, and it starts off like just using the tiny cameras or the handheld cameras, because um, they also at one time get lapel cameras for filming, like secretive, and no one knows that they're gonna be filming but it's a lens in people's faces. It's okay. Just go with it. But the problem is then uh, we switch to a professional camera who's getting all the action that nobody else is filming because it's just these two guys in a cop car, and then all of a sudden we have, like, an over-the-shoulder shot and then a cross-the-room shot or a really wide shot. We clearly, like, there has to be in the setup. There had to be a camera guy to get this. This wasn't just a handheld camera dropped on the dashboard. And it really takes you back and forward and forward and back. And it's it's a little messy that way. And then, of course, the part that a lot of people like to use Fallon footage for is when people are running, you know, because it's really actiony when you see the blur across the screen. Well, when it's a fight scene and you're missing that, or when it's a chase scene and you're missing it because all you see is just pure blur on the screen, it really takes you out of the whole like cinema experience because then you're like, all I see is blur or at least for me that's how it works I'm not a part of the action because I don't see what the hell is going on
1: so you did not like the film I take all
0: (laughs) right no I okay so you didn't like trouble with the curve I did not like end of watch
1: okay okay well I'm actually kind of glad to hear that because end of watch is actually getting pretty good reviews uh, I know I don't know why. most critics seem to really like it and I'm kind of with you i don't think that this is a very good movie well okay i shouldn't say that there are <laughs> elements of this film that i think are very good i michael
0: think pena. There,
1: there's a good movie in here yes. somewhere okay Hall and michael pena both do really great jobs they have fantastic chemistry together
0: i want michael pena to really take off like he is doing amazing work in the crappy side roles that he's been given so far. Yes. Like he's always just the best buddy or the, you know, the person that has something smart to say. And in here he had both dramatic parts and, you know, very comedic parts. And like he's uh, he started off as like a dramatic actor in a lot of Oscar nominated movies um, like Babel and things like that and Crash as well. So he's capable of both things. I really want him to just keep going at it. <laughs> he was the best right. part for me in this movie, and then it kind of stopped.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you know I think the film does do a pretty good job of switching between the more lighthearted moments and these kind of darker, grittier, crime ridden moments. Yeah, because there are some pretty disturbing scenes in the movie and some oh, pretty yes. dark stuff. This is definitely an R rated cop film. And I think that the the movie handles those scenes well on a scene by scene basis. The problem mm-hmm. is, as you mentioned, there's no real coherent vision for mm-hmm. the camera and yeah. the overall aesthetic. And as a result, it's very messy and I was constantly finding myself pulled out of the film. Yeah, just by how the camera was was switching back and forth between found footage and then more regular, uh, more carefully framed shots, and it it just it really just doesn't work. I feel like they they needed to decide from the very beginning. Okay, is this going to be a found footage movie, or is this not going to be a found footage movie? And they just needed to pick a style and commit to it. And if they had done that, I think this would actually be a very very effective cop movie because they the the script is pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. The emotional beats are all there. It's it's just all in how it was directed, with this with this found footage stuff.
0: Totally. So I guess the other thing is like when you switch between you know different camera styles and things like that really quickly. If it's not done well, the way that the camera's set up is where you're kind of placing the audience and the kind of frame of mind that the audience is going to be seeing it. So like in the Blair Witch Project, where we were used to looking at a VHS quality, you know, tape sort of um, aesthetic it didn't bother people well it bothered motion sickness but it didn't bother people because it didn't keep switching out of it you know we were just there we were looking at the image and we were into the story when you keep switching between the stuff people will pick up on that
1: Right, and you, you know, I think that there there are just a few rules that you have to follow when you're doing a found footage film, and if you follow all the rules, generally you, you can make a pretty good movie. But if you don't, then it's it's gonna it's gonna feel disjointed, and the audience isn't gonna be able to understand really what what what's going on in the bigger picture. One of the rules is, you know, you have to have a reason for filming. Yeah, it has to be established. Why is this being filmed? One of the things that people complain about in Cloverfield was, you know, for example, why are they still filming this? Why didn't they just drop the camera and run?
0: You You
1: have to have a reason that you're filming all this stuff. Two, I feel like you also need to at least hint at a reason as to why all of this footage has been quote-unquote found and edited together. You Mm -hmm. know, is this being used as evidence of something? Is this being used uh, to document something? Is it a report report? on something, why has someone edited all of this stuff together? It's, it, it's that question of what we're not seeing, but the, there has to be a, a motivation behind it, I yeah. feel like. And it might not be something audience members consciously think about as they're watching it, but I think mm-hmm. subconsciously they pick up on it. And it can be a bit distracting to not know why we're watching what we're watching.
0: Yeah. It, it was kind of a sad excuse that he gave him. He's like, oh, I just... Want to do this because it was like a like a personal project of his.
1: Well, well, he said he he said he was taking in, in the film. J. J. character says he's filming all of this for a filmmaking class. And actually, I was fine with that.
0: You're fine with that.
1: Okay. It's it's a simple you know explanation, but at least it's there. At least it's an explanation. You know, even if it's not a terribly believable one, <laughs> at least it's it's there.
0: I could I could think of reasons why that would be kind of illegal
1: <laughs> to well, be we're, filming. We're right. <laughs> right, but I was I was willing to go with with that. My main thing was that I just I just it was kind of like is this a found footage film or not? As you mentioned, the opening shot and I think for like the first five to ten minutes of the movie are all quote unquote found footage. They're all these little handheld cameras on a police car, or yep. that the characters have with them and that they're shooting stuff on, and it's fairly consistent. But then uh-huh. suddenly it switches. To what the quote unquote bad guys, I guess you could say, are doing, yeah. and at times they're filming things on iPhones too, which seemed awkward, and then at times they're they're not, and there's just a camera there, filming them uh-huh. for no apparent reason. Yeah, um, and it was kind of like, why are you showing me this? This 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 is totally ruining the illusion that this is a found footage film. Yeah. You know? And it, it's just incredibly jarring. The movie can't decide whether it wants to be a found footage movie or just a regular cop movie with a few found footage elements thrown in. And yeah. the problem is it started out found footage, so that's what I'm going to assume it is moving forward. And it, it yeah, I, I agree with you. It just does not connect. Anything else you want to add uh, before we dive into part two and we talk spoilers?
0: Okay, I can wait till spoilers. Is that where I can put my, my, oh my God, racist thing?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. We can talk about the racism stuff (laughs) in part two. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we totally talked part two
1: alright well uh, I guess that'll wrap it up for part one of our discussion on end of watch so don't forget to tune into part two for a much more in-depth look at the film and don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Looper the new time travel film directed by Ryan Johnson uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the show you can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com you can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate it. That helps cover a lot of our costs and and helps keep the network up and running. Monica, where can people find you online?
0: People can find me on Twitter at mcasti. Movies, that's Mcasty movies, and I usually retweet everything that I get published and posted on, so it's a good stalking mechanism all in one place.
1: All right, well, I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. I've been uh, writing a lot of reviews of some new films and and some coverage from the Toronto International Film Festival, so be sure to check that out on the website. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know that you're a listener and I will be sure to follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson.
0: I'm Monica Castillo.
1: And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio!
0: Yeah!